Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into Batter Up. I'm Caleb Johnson here with my co-host Joe Patrick. Joe it's been a week, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been wild, man. And our podcast here has been diverted by many, uh, many uh, natural disasters—not disasters, but storms going on. So, apologies for being late on the show this week. But, um, man, it's kind of in line with, I guess, how the Braves been going, right? Because it's just been such a struggle here this last week. I'm, I will, we'll get into it a little bit, but uh, man, it's not been good. Not been good at all. Kind of a weird feeling, a weird sensation to be feeling right now as a Braves fan, considering. Haven't really experienced a feeling like this in the last couple of years, you know. I think if if you're with us on Facebook Live right now and you're in the Atlanta area, you're probably dealing with a lot of this rain and just just downpour and strong <laughs> winds and doom and gloom. And I really do think that kind of sums up what we're dealing with in this Braves team. That it's a lot of doom and gloom and you just hope, Hey, the skies are going to clear up at some point, right? Like it, it has to, right? Well, I mean, that's the thing I've been talking about when I've been doing radio hits this week is that, you know, what, what we've seen from this Braves team is clearly like abnormal when, when you just look at the player, individual players and how they've performed over the course of their careers versus what they're doing this year. And I, I think that's true. That's, That's definitely true. I think that if there's a reversion to the mean, uh, that is going to happen in a positive way for this Braves team. But I'm getting a little bit more skeptical that, one, a full reversion to that mean is actually going to happen, uh, and two, whether it will be enough uh, for this team to actually to propel them kind of as to a, a, another division title. I- I'm getting a lot more skeptical about this team's chances to win the division <laughs> with a month. I mean, we're a month into the season now. It's no longer like, you know... Well, we're a couple of weeks in. It's you know, and and still, I I get it's still a long season, but we're like what twenty percent of the way into the season, like a fifth of the way. And I mean, if you want to take any silver lining away from this season so far, it's the fact that the Braves aren't out of it. Like every team in the National League East is just kind of on the struggle bus as the Braves are right now. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not. It doesn't. 
while you while you logically assume that things will reverse course, it just feels less and less likely every time we come on and do this podcast. So, Joe, you're telling me that you might be joining the uh, the old Eeyore <laughs> Club over here? Yeah, no, it's fine. Everybody, everybody makes fun of it because I, uh, you know, I talk about the sky being doom and gloom, and and sometimes I I get this way about this Braves team, and I feel like for what, the last two weeks I've been coming on here saying, is this team just average? Mm. And I feel like right now the Atlanta Braves are just average. Well, they're they're driving me to be drinking at like at the, <laughs> the, the second it hits oh, five no. p, the second it hits 5 p.m so um <laughs> at least that makes this podcast a little bit easier to record but no to your point i mean it's yeah it's been maybe they are average i mean clearly what they've shown so far is average or below and it's only going to get more difficult now travis darno uh tore ligaments in his thumb he's going to be out he's on the 60 day il but i mean he's going to be out most of the season, and I'm not even convinced that he's going to be the same guy, really be, uh, you know, the the Travis Darno that we knew from last year when he comes back. It's going to be so difficult for him to come back strong from a thumb injury. Uh, that's clearly going to impact the way he swings the bat. That was a pretty devastating blow, I thought, for this team. And it really makes you think, you know, I know that the Braves are kind of pride themselves in how strong the the catcher position is uh, depth-wise throughout the organization. But, I mean, we'll see what William Contreras does. I, I, I am optimistic about him, but, man, it's not it's not great for this team. And, and if that is a position they need to address, I mean, they already went out and picked up Jeff Mathis, but that's kind of a – that's just kind of a fill-in, plug-and-play plug for a, a couple weeks until Alex Jackson is at least healthy. But, um, you know, if it, they may have, maybe they need to acquire a catcher, you know, who knows? And it just seems like the needs that this team needs, uh, just keep on piling up <laughs> as, as we get closer to kind of the, the trade deadline time when team, when the market kind of, kind of, kind of opens up. So, cause right now you think what the Braves, they need bullpen arms. They might need a starting pitching arm. I mean, this team has really been carried by three starting pitchers so far this season, None of them named Max Fried or Mike Soroka. It's actually been Waskar Yanoa, a guy we didn't even know who was going to make the opening day roster. He's been one of the arms. It's like, oh, thank God he's going out there tonight and can can you know stop a streak or something. And that's exactly what's happening tonight. He'll be going out there in about an hour uh, to take the mound. So um, it's just it's just it's wild. And and that's kind of what why, where my pessimism is building. It's like this team needs help in so many areas. The team's not hitting. I mean, I think that's the where the area where you think, okay, well at least those guys have to revert to form somehow sometime. No, I Joe, I'm just so shocked. I'm getting this out of you. The fact that you're covering <laughs> like 12 topics in the span of 30 seconds to get back to the, to the kind of where we started or where you started talking about Travis Darno, as we are recording the batter up, uh, we got a tweet from the Braves that Travis Darno's success, our surgery was successful to repair that ligament in his left thumb. Uh, the surgery was performed by Dr. Gary Lurie in Atlanta. So surgery went well. That's good. Like you said, 60-day injured list that I feel like we kind of got a telltale sign out of Snit after the injury where Snit was like, oh, yeah, we'll get him back before the end of the year. And it's like, I'm sorry, end of the year? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's not going to do any good. <laughs> Yeah, that's I mean, a long time. That's a long time. Yeah, and, and so to your point of 
you know, the, all of the needs that this Braves team has. And it's just, it seems so reminiscent of where we were, what, a, a year ago, right? Or I guess technically not a year ago, but this sure. far into the Braves season in 2020, where you're going into the season excited about all the pieces and how this is all going to play out. And then you actually get to the season and man, there's just left and right things falling apart. You know, I, I mean, if, I think of the car analogy of like you, you, you know, bump into something and you lose a mirror and then your windshield wiper stops working and you know, your heat won't turn on. Like, it's just all of these little things <laughs> keep happening that you're like, ah, you know, I can, I can fix that. I can patch that up. And, right, and right. you're getting to a point with this Braves team where you're like, I don't know that this is fixable. Like this is starting get to starting to become a car that's unreliable that you know you only make town trips you only you know you don't want to go too far in it because you don't want to get stranded <laughs> somewhere right. it's just i mean like you said with, with darno on the 60 day uh injured list not really sure about that alex jackson who we really didn't have a a whole lot of uh uh, stock in i, yeah, I would sure. say just, neither of us were high on yeah him. he's been a, pretty much what we thought he was gonna be i was about much. to say in 10 games he's one for 23 <laughs> like woo, that's not that's not exciting so the fact that your backup catcher then becomes your starter and you never were that too that excited about your starter so then you're having to bring up william william Contreras, who I think we're both more excited on, but it seems like Snit and the organization is just real reserved about what he's going to give you. And so it's like, I, I, I mean, well, man, what, what else? I mean, there are, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to some positive news here in a second, but um, you know, it's you like, sure? well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's been such a frustrating season, man, because, and we've talked about this before, the things that are plaguing this team are not necessarily the problems that we've seen plague this team in the past, you know, um, winning close games, winning those extra inning games last year. They loved the, the Braves loved the new extra inning format with the guy on second base. Cause they were winning every single one of them that they were in. Now. I don't think they've even gotten a base hit. And when, when they've gone, I think they've played four extra inning games now and I don't think they've gotten a hit. Uh, so it's just been like, it's been really rough. You know, last year, the bullpen was one of the best bullpens in all of baseball this year. The whole, the pitching staff as a whole, I think is the second worst in major league baseball. I want to say, um, it's just really bad. It's not the kind of thing we're expecting. And then of course, hitting wise, like you at least expect guys like Freddie Freeman, your, your big free agent signing Marcelo Zuna, who nearly won a triple crown last year. You expect them to at least kind of plug some of the gaps that you might, you know, where you might be, you know, leaking some water in the pitching staff or whatever, but even, even those guys aren't hitting. And so it's just really, really frustrating to see the games take place the way they are and just the way that this season is shaping up. It gives me, it, it gives me terribly spook, spooky vibes. Very spooky. Yeah, so to add on to, to add injury to insult, uh, but little in injury has been what's going on with, Christian Pache, who goes through his injury slash demotion. And, and I've heard a lot of people call it a demotion. Is that how you saw it? I'm sorry, what was that? 
with Christian Pache. Oh, Christian Pache? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a demotion so much. I mean, he had a yeah, he had an injury that he apparently he was dealing with, but I do think it was kind of like let's let's uh let's use this as a <laughs> as an yeah. opportunity, you know? That's like That's what it felt like. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, what you got out of Guillermo Heredia in the meantime was an, an increase in offensive production, you know? Like he really helped. He had a grand slam. He he came in and really was kind of a a spark plug for the offense. So um, and maybe it's what Pache needed because when he came back, Christian Pache goes ahead and he 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 starts it. He hits a was a grand slam that he hit the other yeah. day. Um, so you know maybe that was good for him as well to just kind of get a get a little bit of a break. Maybe and maybe he did have an injury that was maybe contributing to some of that too. But uh, hopefully whatever it was, you know, plays out to both you know both people's advantage. Yeah, but then again, he only comes back because Heredia right. goes to the injured list. Like it's one of those like. <laughs> Man, I mean, just what is going on? Like the Atlanta injury bug, just when it decides to pick on teams, is like when they're at their best. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily, I mean, you can't call what the Braves are playing like right now their best, but it just seems like you had such high expectations for them to then come and to be dealing with these injuries. Max Freed, another one who, you know, dealing with, injuries again that have him thankfully we'll be able to see him on Wednesday pitch against the Nationals it's just like how much I mean this can't this team can't take much more with all right. of the injuries on top of the poor poor performance and and the thing with Pache is like it's not like you know him not hitting is any surprise to us especially you know like we we knew that Christian Pache was going to come in and be pretty much a defensive specialist and the offense was going to be kind of a work in progress but you felt like that was something that you could handle with a very productive offense, an offense that's been one of the best offenses in the National League these last couple of years. But then you come into this season, and when Marcelo Zuna is OPSing 595, Dansby Swanson OPSing 589, um, you know, with that kind of production, that makes Christian Pache's lack of offense a much more important factor. And it's like, and. It, it it just puts a lot more pressure on him as well. So, you know, it's just a not a good situation. I think I feel like all these players that are underperforming, it's kind of they're compounding on one another and it's creating more pressure for other players all throughout all up and down the lineup and and in the pressure rotation with guys struggling themselves there. So um but as, as you, you you bring up Max Fried, he will be back tomorrow and now that, that will be good to at least just see him out there on the mound, um, kind of give us some some peace of mind. Ho hoping that he doesn't pitch like he did to start the season when he That's was honestly one of the worst one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball. So um, yeah, hopefully he comes back a different guy. Um, but we'll see. That's the thing is like I, I you honestly don't know what to expect from him, and it's just hope. I mean, that's that's all you can do at this point, it seems like, with this team. I'm curious about something, Joe, and it's uh, something that uh, Dave O'Brien with The Athletic wrote about earlier this week is he pinpointed the fact that the Braves actually lead Major League Baseball in hard hit percentage. With the fact that they lead Major League Baseball in hard hit percentage, but aren't really turning that necessarily into runs, into wins, is this just a team who's experiencing bad luck? Well, I think that's definitely the case to an extent, right? And like, I think that that just is reflected. Uh, I mean, that that's a very good, you know, 
statistic to draw from that kind of illustrates that. But I also think it's just what we talked about earlier when you have guys that are so far off of their um, their career numbers. It's just it shows that there's some sort of abnormality happening in the system. And I think part of that is definitely just, you know, hitting the ball hard, but right at people. Um, it's even happened to Ronald Acuna here since he came back from his abdominal strain. The numbers have been way down. I think he's hitting under 200 since he's come back from that. But he's really still hitting the ball hard. Um, he's hitting balls. To the, he's hit a couple balls to the warning track recently here. He's not really been poor. It's just one of those things that can happen. I definitely think that Freddie Freeman is one of those guys who's been a victim of that to an extent. I still think that he wouldn't say that that's an excuse for him. Like I think that he would say that he's been off this year and that he should be better. But I do think that you know the Braves are some of, some of the guys are hitting the ball hard and harder, you know, uh, and especially you look at a guy like Ozzy Albies. He started the season terribly. His OPS is already back up to 792 now, which is still, you know, he can probably be a little bit higher than that, but that's still a pretty good mark for him. And he is really turning it around. So I think we are starting to see some of these guys turn. And that's what I was going to talk about when we started talking about some of the positives that we're seeing in this team. Some of the hitting is coming around, but the problem is that I, I especially keep looking at Marcelo Zuna. Like that is such a that's so that's that's really not good at all for your number three hitter to be so unproductive at the plate. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just really tough. I th- I mean, honestly, if you want to ask my opinion of what's changed, like what's changed from Marcelo Zuna from 2020 to 2021, he's playing in the field. I, uh, I just yeah, I, I, I mean, not not to be like, oh, I could just simplify it to that one thing. I'm sure there's other little things going on with him. But you get a guy stuck in a routine mm-hmm. that's working for him. You take him out of that. I mean, I, I feel like we talked about it in the offseason, this idea of exerting more energy in the field. You know, just all of the little things that your mind is drawn away from that one specific thing that you do as a designated hitter. And the fact that he's not hitting well, I almost want to just easily point to and be like, hey, What's changed? Okay. Hey, Major League Baseball, maybe we really should, you know, for the Braves benefit. <laughs> yeah. Please, please, the, let's go back to the, get the designated hitter. The funny thing is that, like, we can say that and joke about it, how, you know, as Braves fans, like, bring the DH back. But, like, I feel like if you were to poll, ask, you know, a random sample of people who are fans of teams in the NL, they would all say the same exact thing, Absolutely. too. Like, like everybody yeah. would think that they're better off with the with the DH in place. So, um, yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons why we're going to see it permanently. But you're right, you know, and I think that honestly, um, you know, Pablo, Sa- Pablo Sandoval has talked about the benefits of being able to, you know, when you're not in the game fielding, you can really be kind of just dialing in on your swing, taking reps in the cage, you know, doing those kinds of things to help prepare you to be at your absolute best when you step into the batter's box. And I think that that clearly can pl- have a huge impact. And I think that we saw the positive impact it could have for a guy like Marcelo Zuna last year. On top of the fact that when you're out there on the field, that's just, you know, the additional wear and tear. And it's not like Marcelo Zuna is like, he's not like a bad athlete, but he's not like, you know, obviously he's not like fleet of foot, uh, you know, guy who's like a natural out there who's like not affecting him at all. I think it is probably adding some wear and tear onto his body. and, And he hasn't been able to take like any days off. I can't even think of the last time he wasn't in the lineup because the Braves have had, you know, they've been so shorthanded with guys going down with injuries and things and they've kind of been um you know using every every player they have available to them in that outfield so uh it's just been it's just been rough can we talk about austin riley yet 
We talk about. I, I, we need to talk. We need to talk about some something good. You you sound like you were gonna ha- be your again real quick. No, no, it's fine. You, good. It's good to go in a positive direction. I'll move the conversation a little negative in a little bit because I do have something I want to bring up, and then I, I'm kind of thinking in my head of there is a a positive way to kind of end this conversation that we'll end up having. But go go ahead with Austin Riley. Well, Austin Riley is you know it's so funny because through the first two weeks of the season. In my text group with my friends, I was hearing like they need to trade him, they need to send him to the alternate site, they need to do I this was and probably, that. Probably, yeah, <laughs> I, I would have agreed. And he has a 431 on base percentage right now. That is tied with Ronald Acuna Jr. That is second in the National League in on base percentage for Austin Riley, uh, a guy who was kind of notoriously bad at that. You know, when he went through that rough stretch after he got really hot in his in his rookie year, so. Uh, I just want to, you know, give him a pat on the back. He's he's doing he's doing a great job um, and a, a big improvement, kind of exactly what you would have wanted to see if you're a Braves fan. It's just it's just really unfortunate for him that this hot streak that he's on is coming in such a bad time for the team where, you know, some of that good work isn't really getting recognized. Yeah, I think it's it is one of those where what he's done recently, it just isn't helping. I mean, it's just not enough. Yeah, yeah. He's and, kind of he's hitting low in the order, and that's been one of the things. Like yeah. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on whether he should be, you know, when you have a guy like Marcelo Zuna who's so poor, but do you move him out of that three hole? Do you do you risk, you know, potentially damaging his his psyche by by moving him? Because it seems like you know if you want to optimize this lineup, um, you would ideally want to move Austin Riley up, and he is batting fifth tonight, so he has been moved up from he's been batting as low as seventh or eighth earlier in the season. Yeah, that's what I so I, I hadn't caught that he is batting fifth. I, I'll it's one of those things where Brian Snicker has not been shy this year about making changes when he sees it necessary. You know, when as soon as the situation with Freddie wasn't working, it was like, all right, well, we know what was working in the past. And so I'm I'm all for moving Austin Riley in the lineup. I am just cautious in that. I can't figure out what's changed. Like what, what specifically changed for Austin to have this recent kind of coming out party of, of where he's actually hitting the ball. Well, like, so just go ahead. I I, I can kind of answer this. So, cause he's talked about his approach and I kind of find this, I find this amusing. Um, but because he's not saying it explicitly, he's not saying it in these terms. He's like using very the baseball jargon about, you know, <laughs> um, want, you know, what I don't know, what, whatever the things that you always hear guys say about their approach. But the way it translates to me is I'm waiting for a ball coming right down the middle. <laughs> and he was like, he said it because the, he was like, if they paint the corners, they'll paint the corners, you know, and I'll just and I'll, you know, that that'll I got to live with that. But if not, I'm either going to draw a walk or I'm going to get a really good pitch to hit. And I think that that's been a big difference for him. And I think it's the right approach for a guy like him. If he's, if you've had the struggles that he's had in his career where, you know, you're, you're, you're second guessing yourself, whether you need to swing or not at that pitch that, you know, that slider coming across that outside portion of the plate. If you just eliminate that from your mind uh, as, as a potential option and you just wait for things that are right down, um, right essentially down the middle or, or just in a zone where you're like kind of um, pre-identifying where a pitch is going to come. I think that that's a, that's a probably a pretty smart move and it seems to be paying off for, for Riley. It just seems so simple. 
Like, <laughs> if you're if you figure that out now, why couldn't you have figured that out two months ago? Yeah, yeah. I just that's the thing that I wonder about him is it seems like he has these months and we've seen him. It, it was May in the past, right? Of 2019 that that he was so hot. April, May. I, I can't remember specifically, but I just want to see it for longer stretches. Like more consistent because when you say things like oh i'm only gonna i'm only gonna swing at stuff in the zone (laughs) i could go talk to 50 major league baseball players and i feel like the general consensus is hey we're gonna swing at stuff in the zone so it's just i i don't know i'm I'm happy i'm happy that it's working but uh like maybe some other guys in the clubhouse need that advice so I've got I've got another kind of stat for you. I've just been looking at this since we started talking about Austin, because um, this always stuck out to me. His 2019 season, that's his his rookie year when he came up. It was fantastic, except when he got two strikes. When he had two strikes on him, he hit where was it? 0.96 was his batting average when he whenever he had two strikes in the count. That's like an automatic out. That's basically like you just need to get two strikes on him to get him out. I was about to say that that sounds like swinging scared. Now, of course, when you have two strikes, your your numbers are always going to be lower, right? Like you're sure. Just, but but this year he's hitting 188 with two strikes. That is a huge difference to ha- to bat 100 points higher with two strike. You know, in, in those situations, that's a big difference. And I think that you know that approach to the plate is probably one of the reasons why um he's improved in that situation. So maybe that's something to look out for. If we want to go simplistic, if he's saying I'm only swinging at stuff in the zone, it sounds to me like to go from 096 to 188 that there's a confidence boost there. There's a I know what I'm yeah, looking for. Exactly, exactly. Instead of a oh, I just need to put the bat out. He's not and, reacting. Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I and I, I guess to some extent that's going to come with experience. It just seems like, and I saw this talked about on social on Twitter the other day, and I can't remember who specifically was talking about this, but it was Braves fans on Twitter talking about the fact of because Austin Riley has been in the media's eye for so long, it seems like the leash on him has been so much shorter yep. because he's been talked about so long, and because it's like it's uh not to put it in terms of like a Bryce Harper kind of deal, but because you were watching him for so long, then he produces and you're excited because you expected this. And so when you have a guy who there was such attention placed on him and so much pressure essentially placed on him to underperform to the high expectations put on him is, is almost this like, Oh man, he's, uh, you know, he's not even that good. Uh huh. Yeah. So, you know, I think the thing with Austin, it will just be very interesting to see if he can carry this form, you know, throughout yeah. the season. Because he's always been a guy that we've talked about as kind of blowing hot and cold. So, um, I'm just happy for him that it kind of like, it's at least a moment where he can kind of breathe again and not have fans kind of, um, you know, breathing down his back. But hopefully he can kind of carry this out. He won't carry out the current form, you know, forever because he's just on an incredible hot streak right now. But uh, but hopefully he can just kind of keep up the, getting on base. That's That'll be a big thing for him. Um, if he can keep that in the, you know, even in the upper 300s, that would be a, a great season for for Austin. I, I think that it will really help the rest of this lineup. All right. So with 
you know, Acuna batting in the three hundreds with Austin Riley up there. It seems like, you know, maybe Ozzy is figuring things out a little bit better. I feel like this might weaken the conversation that I'd like to have next is what we saw happen yesterday with the New York Mets. The Mets mm-hmm. decided it was time. They, I mean, all of this preseason hype on Francisco Lindor, he's not hitting well at all. I mean, it's bad. And so the Mets decide, look, we're cutting ties with, you know, our hitting coaches and we're going to essentially start fresh. I think they brought up some guys from, uh, um, I can't it remember was like what their, level. Their, their, their hitting coordinator is like now they're so like kind of their farm system guys. Now they're their hitting coach. I forget yeah. his name. He has a really funny name. And so I get. So my question to you is, is the hot seat warming up for Kevin Seitzer or are we just not even getting to that point? I thought the same exact thing that you did. Um, when I saw that news, I was like, oh, is that is this like the. Uh, the floodgate opening potentially when we start to see these these moves happen. And, you know, I think that it is a possibility that Kevin Seitzer's job could could, you know, be up for grabs. And I don't think it's necessarily um well, a couple things. I don't think it's an indictment on Seitzer. I think that sometimes, like when especially when it comes to hitting coaches, it's almost as much of like psychology and all this stuff as it is technique and that kind of thing. So I don't necessarily think for any hitting coach, honestly, that gets fired, I don't think it's necessarily an indictment on them. I think it's sometimes, I think it's a natural, almost a natural course where it's like you hear from the same voice for so long, you sometimes you just need fresh eyes or you just need a fresh voice or, you know, to just give you a different idea. We see this in like, you know, I'm a big golf fan. It's like, you see golfers go through different coaches pretty regularly and, and, you know, they might use the same guy for a few years, but then it's like the same group of coaches that kind of coach all these guys on tour because one, they're good at their craft. And that's obviously, you know, the, the first prerequisite, but then you just need somebody that is going to give you the tips that you need to be able to be successful. And maybe, maybe it's, I mean, I think that it is potentially could be time. I'm not necessarily trying to call for Kevin Sizer's job or anything because he's done a fantastic job with this team these last couple of years. And so, and I definitely would say that it's not like, this is not his fault. Like it's never the hitting coach's fault, but it's always the hitting coach. is kind of the first guy to take the fall because it's the easiest position move you can make as an organization to try to get guys to fall into place. What, what were your thoughts about it? Well, so I was going to compare Seitzer to another coach on this staff, Ron Washington. So Ron Washington comes into Atlanta and it's like, he's just brought these fresh ideas that no one's ever heard of. And the, the, you know, what he's bringing to guys fielding abilities is, Mm -hmm. is you see the cameras out on him pregame and all the different drills that he's working with the infielders trying to hone their craft and get better and work on that hand eye coordination and all these little things that he's doing. And And it was this moment of, I, I laughed so many different times at the focus that Ron Washington gets, not because he's not a good coach, but it was just because it was funny acting he's a character. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it was like, it was this brand new thing. And Ron Washington's been in baseball for a <laughs> yeah. long, long, long time. So it's not like he brought these fresh ideas to the Braves. It was just different. 
It was something that these guys weren't used to. And going back and looking at Kevin Seitzer, yeah, I mean, you can pull up his Wikipedia page if you wanted to and kind of see where he's been around as a coach. And the one thing that stares at me is the fact that he's been a coach in Atlanta since 2014. So he's been around a while. And Mm -hmm. sure, I mean, he's not the only guy who's been around a while. It is just one of those. I'm curious if, and because the Mets just made this move, I don't think the Braves will within the next week or two because they don't want to look like copycats. But (laughs) I'm curious if, Somewhere, if this doesn't get better by the summer, if all of a sudden we hear Kevin Seitzer is moving on to a different role with the organization and -and so-and-so is stepping into the role as hitting coach. I just Mm -hmm. think, I think we're close to that point Mm -hmm. because your big marquee guys aren't hitting, you know, and it's, it's one of those, what, and every other sport and, and, Baseball, too, if your team's not performing, you're you're signed on with the players, you know, and, and the players have uh, this familiarity and this bond with the city. And so it's like, well, they're not going to go anywhere yet. But it's just, it's just much easier contractually to make that coach to make that coaching change. Like that, that's yeah. that's the reason why these hitting coaches are always the first to go is just because. It's just easier. It's an easier transaction to make. Um, yeah. That has the fewest costs and the biggest potential upside. I honestly wonder if Alex Anthopoulos was kind of like what he saw the news yesterday with the Mets kind of being like, ah, man, yeah, beat us to it, you know, because <laughs> it's one of those. I didn't think that the Mets would cut bait on a guy or, uh, you know, on, on a team that they've just this is the first year under a new owner and all these different changes that they've been making around that organization. It just really surprised me right. to see that move. But it, like I said, it kind of opened my eyes to this is possible because guys aren't hitting on uh, not only are, are guys not hitting, but if I can kind of switch gears for a little bit, we've kind of talked our way around the fact that we know we need we know this Braves team needs bullpen arms. Finally, a decision was made about Nate Jones. I mean, that was also, I I would like to ask you, Joe, did you know a 30, 40 year old pitcher had (laughs) options? I know. I saw, I saw that you wrote that in in our show sheet and I I laughed because I was like, you know, that's a good point. That's kind of wild that he did have an option still. Yeah. I've, I wouldn't have to just cut him. I've been saying for weeks, like, okay, I'm waiting for the day that I wake up, check my notifications, and I see an email from the Braves saying that Nate Jones has been designated for a sign. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one one of those things. And it's like, I don't have a personal thing against Nate Jones. I'm sure he's a great guy. I don't like to be the guy who says, get this guy out of town. But we're at that. I mean, we're we're beyond that point. With him, and so it's one of those like, it, it was just when I saw the news, it was almost it was at a time that you know I've had so much going on this week, but it was at a time that it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it was kind of like a well to me it was like kind of a relief, and again, I this always I always just feel terrible talking about this kind of stuff because it's like it's like yeah. I'm like shoveling dirt onto the grave or whatever, but it's like this is the move that needed to be made, and so you're at least just kind of 
gratified to see it happen. It kind of reminds me of when Freddie Freeman, when the team moved Freddie Freeman to the second hole. It was like, you know, that's the right move to make. <laughs> and, I, and I was just like happy to see it. Obviously, like there wasn't the same kind of ramifications of a guy potentially, you know, losing his job or whatever um, as there is in this situation. But again, I think it's the right move. The problem is that this team just does not have right-handed arms right now. Uh, and you just hope that Chris Martin, when he does come back, which should be relatively soon, but you hope that when he comes back, he's the same guy. Uh, I'm not sure that he's going to be, but um, we'll see about that. I think that Alex Anthopoulos could maybe need to pull out that 2019 magic again this year to uh, to remake this bullpen, if they're even like still relatively in contention at that point. you know, I think that there's a lot of time between that potentially happening and where we are now where things could get even worse to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on the, the scary days that could possibly lie ahead where it's not worth making a move because you are what you are. I I'd like to go negative for a little bit longer before I feel like we can kind of spin this positive, especially when it comes to the game tonight. I want to ask something about a player that we've not talked about for a while now, and it's because he hasn't been around the team for a while, and it seems like bright days are ahead, but I'm just so unsure and don't know what to do. Mike Soroka, mm-hmm. what is what do, what do we do? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that he's going to be able to come back until like early June at best. Mid June, probably more reasonable. Like I don't think that you know he's just got like that's definitely uh, something that we'll be keeping tabs on over the course of this month because we are going to start see him um, make appearances as he 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 basically has to go through a spring training in, during the month of May here. The good news is that he is kind of getting ramped back up, and you just hope that he's able to get through this period um, kind of unscathed to an extent and come back strong, but. And that would be a huge boost to this team, to be perfectly honest. Like, if we're going to look at the silver lining of it, that's like, uh, you know, it's like a new signing. Uh, to get <laughs> yeah. That's a, that, 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 that's a soccer phrase. But, yeah, no, it's like it's, you know, it would be like making a blockbuster trade for a big-time pitcher to come back and get him in the starting rotation, considering if he's, you know, the same guy that we've come to expect. But I think it's going to be a, a pretty <laughs> – it's going to be um, – we're going to have to be patient here because – He's going to be building himself back up throughout the month of May. Meanwhile, we just hope that things turn around for the, this team. Because if things are, if, if this, if this team is struggling, you know, and and you're just waiting on Mike Soroka, it's just going to be a very painful, painful wait. And that's think- even if he does come up without, you know, on time and kind of get get through everything cleanly without any more uh, irritations to his shoulder or anything. Yeah, I think the bit of optimism to have about Mike Soroka is the fact of there's been one change and it's happened this week is the fact that minor league baseball is coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And so having that ability for him to pitch in real games, hopefully soon versus in simulated games at the alternate training site, I feel like is going to make somewhat of a difference. I'm just, Getting back to kind of my Eeyore mindset, I just get so fearful of seeing a late July, early August where Mike Soroka is a part of the rotation and and it's fine. We don't really know what we're going to get from him because what's it matter? This team's not going anywhere anyways. So might as well 
throw him out there. You know, might as well let him get his reps. I'm hoping that something can get turned around added with that minor league season going on that can kind of complement the two and come together. And then when he does come back much later than we expected, (laughs) uh, that, that it's, it is like a, like you're making a trade, like you're bringing in new talent, which is just so strange to think about Mike Soroka being a, uh, feeling like a free or, or feeling like a trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're acquiring a player essentially, but yeah, that's how it's going to feel. So, I mean, hopefully again, I just, I just hope he comes back and is the same kind of guy, but my mind right now with the way the season is going is immediately going to a place where it's like, he comes back with a, to a struggling team and then he struggles, you know, and he goes, I, oh man, it's, it's scary to think about. That's, that's, that's a dark corner of my brain. To take things in a positive light, is what we have to look forward to tonight and hopefully the rest of the season is Waskar Enoa being I mean it's one of those mm. you you Joe have to feel incredible about the fact of preseason well, he's he's balancing out my Drew Smiley optimism yeah. so yeah. I was like <laughs> so that's see I I feel like I jumped on I piggybacked your Waskar Enoa prediction while also going anti-Drew Smiley. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I can take credit for this, the not fun stuff, which is Smiley, Drew Smiley not performing, which I take no pleasure in. But at the same time, I feel like, well, I, I was like right there with the Waskar Noah dark horse kind of based yeah. on what we saw. But I mean... Both of us were completely off as far as we thought this guy was a super reliable bullpen arm. Exa- right, exactly. And yeah. yet he's moving up to, I mean, I know where he's pitching as far as in the rotation, but his rank among this rotation is what, the, the second, third second, best? probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on Ian Anderson, kind of. Yeah, it's probably like him and Ian down, Anderson. Down. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so weird. And, like, I feel like we talked about this at the very beginning, kind of brushed over it. And if you're not going to have the designated hitter, well, Waskari Noah doesn't need it. <laughs> no kidding. It's like, it's hilarious how well he's hitting. Um, because he's talked in postgame press conference, he's like, I haven't not swung a bat in like yeah. <laughs> forever. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, let's be honest, like, I didn't foresee this coming from Waskar, you know, but, um, but he, he sure is kind of making us look good. No, I mean, it's been great, and he's been such a fun kind of character to, to root for, you know, seems just like a really humble guy. Um, just love it, but we, you know. We we brought up Drew Smiley, and we're in ER phase. You know he's given oh. up nine homers in nineteen innings pitch this year. I you mean, know how you know how fast that would have gotten Fulty cut last. Year? <laughs> well, uh, also, Fulty wasn't making fourteen million dollars on a you know as a eleven as eleven million eleven. Excuse me. Okay, thank you for correcting that. No, those three billion dollars are really saving the Braves right now. It's, it's one of those man. I mean, he was he was the guy that Alex Anthopoulos thought he had just you know kind of picked off the scrap pile and was gonna you know blow him off and make him a whole you know make him a sparkling diamond. 
Well, and it's like, nope, that's uh, that's that's fake. You talk about the benefit that the minor league season getting started will be for Mike Soroka. You know, I've I've wondered if the Braves need to like you know scan Smiley's shoulder so that they can find some inflammation in there, Oof. put him on the IL, and just get him some starts in Gwinnett to try to get him going again. Because otherwise, I don't know, really know what you do with him. Like, do you try him in the bullpen before before you just? I mean, before you cut him, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the what what you do, but clearly he's a net negative for you when he's on the mound and. What really frightens me with him is um, it was especially it was after the game against the Diamondbacks. Uh, so not his last start, but not his most recent start, but the one before that, um, where he was just getting teed off on, you know, like he has been for most of the season. And in the post game presser, I couldn't believe it. He was like, "I made like one bad pitch." <laughs> He's like, "I made one mistake, and Peralta punished me." It's like. You made one. You think you made one mistake? Oh man, that's not what 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 you want to hear, or that's not what I would have expected to hear. I guess and frightening. No, I'm with you. I feel like we had this conversation a week ago. Maybe we we probably had. Yeah, we probably did talk about that after that. Yeah, because I think I was with you in this idea of, hey, if you're if you're gonna pitch like this, you at least need to be honest with yourself. And if you're if you're going to pitch poorly and you're not going to be honest with yourself, then your your name might as well be Mike Fulton. Exactly. Yeah, and, that's right. Yep. You know, hit the road, Jack, uh, because your day is gone. And I, and I don't know. I, I remember saying, you know, bold predictions is when we did the radio show I with Andy this. Bunker. Mm-hmm. My whole thing was, well, too, is that I thought this rotation had a Cy Young candidate, as well as a guy who wasn't going to be on the team in September. Mm-hmm. I just wonder what you mentioned of, of potentially sending him down to Gwinnett. If it's, if that's going to happen, if he somehow manages to stick around just because of the price tag that comes with him, like an Ender in Ciarte, and then at what point is it like, okay, for all the, genius that Alex Anthopoulos has been man he's made some bad moves yeah yeah no and and that's the problem is that they can't send him down but they really can if they just put him on the IL with and you know you look at these uh, any pitcher who's been through it especially a guy like him who's been through Tommy John you can find an injury you know or it can can even be a sore back you know it can be anything and just anything to get him down there and get him some you know pitching opportunities away from the major league team that could potentially get him back on track. But yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been really rough with him. The velocity isn't the same as it was last year. And he was last year, he had an elite breaking ball and, and the breaking ball has not been there for him this year. Um, so it's been a struggle, but hopefully Max Reed can come back uh, and, you know, make us forget about some of that, at least for the time being, at least if you get Max Freed back and you have Max Freed going with what we've seen from Wasker, you know, and Charlie Morton's numbers should get better he's pitched way better than his numbers reflect along with ian anderson who's just kind of been continued to get better and better as the season has gone on kind of except for his last start that's a pretty good core i mean i feel like we have been negative for good reason this team is really struggling (laughs) right now but i do think that there is the possibility that things could kind of fall back into place for this team but it just doesn't feel like we need to see signs of that before we can start to assume that it's going to happen and for that to happen. The Braves start tonight a three-game series against the Nationals 
on the road and then get to come home, although it is Philly and Toronto, which big week, may- though, big, big week against two division opponents here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's honestly, it's, it's kind of strange to me to it's, it's like we've been talking before about the fact of the national league East isn't the best division in baseball, but it's the most competitive. And it's, it's like, man, can we get past these teams beating up on each other? Yeah. And then insert, you know, an American league team that really just takes it to the Braves. Like it's, uh, it's almost, you know, you want to, you kind of want to pull up that schedule and just keep scrolling of like, okay, when's, when's it going to get better? And, and, and <laughs> yeah. honestly, not, not very much. There's, there's, it's, uh, it was a Washington, Philly, Toronto, and then Milwaukee, New York, Pittsburgh. So yeah, New York Pittsburgh. and Pittsburgh could be, uh, that could be a time to pick up some games. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully the Braves can get going before then, but I don't know. It should be, it'll be an interesting week. It'll be an interesting week for sure. Yeah. So like we said, the, uh, uh, Oscar, you know, we're getting the start tonight here, uh, what, 20 minutes from now or so, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll going to be tomorrow. the start. Yeah. Going to be the start of turning this all around. And hopefully when we're back talking a week from now, there are much more positive things to say because honestly, Joe, as an Eeyore character, I'm running out of negatives. Like it's just, (laughs) I'm getting to a point of having nothing to say. And at some point, if the poor performance continues, this podcast is going to turn into like a 10, 15 minute deal of being like, I'm going to turn into Brian Snicker of like, yeah. I want to start a new kind of thing that we have running in our shows, which is we kind of wrap up with, what 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 is your percentage make of making the playoffs for this team right now? Because I prob this is probably the first time I'd say it's below fifty percent for me. I'd say it's like forty percent right now. I'd go lower. And this is I will say it's confidence. Like I've I've got like forty percent confidence or whatever. Lower. Give me a number. Give, give me thirty three percent. Thirty three. All right. We'll see if that changes next week. That'll Hopefully be our, so. that'll be our little metric we can keep running. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching uh, this episode of Batter Up. For Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Enjoy your day. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.